Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, March the 24th, 2023. It is currently 5.25 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, it's Friday, so you know what that means, right? It's Friday. Come on, you have to know what Friday means. I know what some of you are thinking. Friday, it means the weekend is here. Wrong. I mean, you're right, but you're wrong. That's not what I'm that's not what I'm talking about. It's Friday. You know what that means, right? Some of you are are, are probably you don't really know. It's Friday. That means it's new music day. And for me as a lifelong music addict, a lifelong music fan, I don't know the correct terminology, as someone who absolutely loves music, I love Fridays because that's where all the new music drops. What actually it drops for me at 11 p.m. on Thursday, 11 p.m. Central Time on Thursday on all the streaming music services that I subscribe to, I get to watch all the new albums appear, and I love it. It's like someone opening up the door to the record store to date myself, and I can just run around and just listen to whatever I want, but I can do so right there in my media room with my stereo equipment and a pair of headphones and just explore the music. Usually, I try to always do it at 11 p.m. Central Time. It doesn't always work out, but somewhere between 11 p.m. Central Time on Thursday and Friday, it's new music day for me. So at different times on a Friday, maybe it's uh, maybe it's Friday morning, late Friday night, maybe going into Saturday morning, you'll find me, you know, exploring, analyzing, you know, thinking about, you know, the the new music and 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 I always have opinions and I'm always trying to analyze it, I'm trying to understand it. I'm looking at it from a musical perspective, from a production perspective, from a lyric perspective, and and sometimes even from a theological perspective. It just depends. I I I love to explore. And listen, I know no 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 listen, please 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 please. I know whenever I talk about music and I'm doing so for a Christian audience, I'm going to get the emails. You shouldn't be listening to it. You should. Music is. I understand. I understand the never ending war that happens with music and Christians. I understand your feelings. So I'm giving you a a, a notice here that I'm going to be talking about music here. I'm going to be because it's Friday. It's new music day. I'm going to be dedicating the next 30 minutes to an hour, however long this takes to talk about music specifically, though I'm not really being I'm not going to be talking specifically about music. I'm going to be talking about something found on a brand new album that's much more theological in nature but it relates to music. So just because it's even music adjacent, uh, if I, I, I have to give some kind of a warning because Christians get really, really upset. Look, you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to like it. You can condemn it to the 18th level of hell. I'm very aware of how Christians feel about music. I'm very, very, very aware. So we don't, we don't need to have to have that conversation, right? You can stop listening now. But, the, the, w- w- but we need to talk about this. We have to talk about this, all right? So Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, here's what I want you to do. Before we get to this, before I explain what happened, before anything, I want you to write down a word, all right? I want you to write down this word. Are you ready? Listen carefully. I want you to write down this word. Commodification. 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 
Commodification. I want you to write down commodification. I want you to write that word down. Commodification. All right. The it's the a commodification is defined as this within a capitalist economic system. Commodification is the transformation of things such as goods, services, ideas, nature, personal information, people, or animal into objects of trade or commodities. Commodification is within a capitalistic economic system. Commodification is this. It's the transformation of things such as goods, services, ideas, nature, personal information, people or animals into objects of trade or commodity. In other words, you see these things and all you see now is it's just an, it just becomes an object of trade. It just becomes a commodity. That's all it is. It, in other words, you don't see it as a person. You don't even see it as information. You just see it. Oh, how, what can, how can we sell it? How can we buy and sell this? How can we make money off of this? And this is very true in a, in a capitalistic system. I'm not here saying capitalism is good or capitalism is bad. I'm not here to get into that debate. But you can see that you could have something, it could be a beautiful piece of art within a capitalistic society. Well, how can we make money off that piece of art? It could be a beautiful piece of poetry, but in a capitalistic society, well, how can we make some money? Can we, can we trademark that? Can we, can we use it? What can we do? Because everything is seen as a commodity. It's just the way it works. Now, what does that, got, what does that have to do with New Music Day? Well, you could say, well, New Music Day is... Well, all about commodity. It's all about commodification, right? But you'll just just remember the word commodification. Just remember the word. Just remember the word commodification. I want you to write that word down. Now, you got that? Now let's back up. It's New Music Day. It's New Music Day. What time was it? What time was it? Hang on. I got to find out. At... Somewhere, let's see, what time was it? At 8.49 a.m. At 8.49 a.m. this morning, I received a text from my daughter. And it said, have you listened to Lana's new album? She's referring to Lana Del Rey. And I said, yes. I started it and immediately realized I'm going to need to spend some time, some time focused really on this album and really dig in. And then she said, well, my friend Hannah texted me this morning and asked if you had listened to it, right? So my daughter's friends are asking, hey, have, has your dad listened to this? Because anyone who has any information about me know how much I love music. She, and she said she was curious what you thought of the church vibe or if you thought it was like blasphemous. So her friend was like, hey, has your dad listened to the brand new Lana Del Rey album? Wait, does he think it's blasphemous because it has this church vibe? That's her word, church vibe. Well, at the time, I wasn't really giving it much thought about the church vibe because here's my take. If if you've been, it's been a trend for a while in pop music. Pop music loves to many cases use religious symbolism, religious imagery to talk about everything from romance, love, lust, hate. I mean, they love to use the religious symbolism to, to really, it's just, they're using religious symbols, but it's, they're trying to show something else. And to me, 
I'm not, I mean, look, the world wants to use religious symbols to tell their stories. I don't get too worried or, or shocked by it. Look, I, I'm more worried and bothered by how the church uses scripture and uses God and uses Jesus. I'm more worried about how us as Christians handle it, not how the world handles it. When the world handles it, I don't expect them to handle it correctly. I don't expect them to handle it in a correct way. I don't. I, I just don't. Um, and, and that's that, that you, some people get mad. They're like, no, you need to condemn how the world is using it. Look what the churches has. We have enough problems on our own, right? So why worry about anybody else? So I, I didn't really give it much thought, but I kept working on the album and listening to the album. So here first, I'm going to give you a little bit of information. All right. The name of the album, I'm going to go to the album really quick. The name of the album is, did you know there's a tunnel under ocean Boulevard? Did you know there's a ton, tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Talk about a album title. Did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard by Lana Del Rey? Now, let me make it very clear. This is not a Christian album, okay? It is not. It has explicit, explicit language. You just need to know that. I'm not telling you to listen to it. Some people may even find the cover to be d disturbing. I, I'm just telling you, there's nothing Christian about it, but I'm telling you how this all went down. So it starts with my daughter asking me if I've heard it. I've listened to some of it. I, but I knew I needed more time to dig into it. Her friend saying, hey, did your, did your dad listen to it? What does he think about the church vibes? Does he think it's blasphemous? So I, I kept like, okay, I've got to find some more time. Well, this afternoon, I got a little bit more time to throw on the headphones and to really dig in to Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard by Lana Del Rey. I'm not telling you to listen to the album, not telling you to like the album. But obviously, there's something about the album that I think makes it appropriate to dis discuss here on a theology podcast, and that will all make sense. Now, my history with Lana Del Rey is pretty, pretty long. Um, when she very, 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 very first came out, I started telling the doctors I worked with, we were having, it was New Music Day, and we were having a big discussion about new albums and new things. And uh, to one of the doctors, I was like, there's this girl, Lana Del Rey. I'm telling you, she she is going to be amazing. She's going to become like this powerful artist. She's, I mean, she's going to become a big, big thing. And basically, he's like, you're an idiot. She's trash. She's never going anywhere. Well, when she first came out, it, she didn't really take off like I immediately thought. And then they did a remix of one of her songs. And that remix is what kind of then placed her right there. Then it blew up. But at first, when nothing happened, the doctor kept coming to me. Yeah, Mr. Music Guy thinks he knows so much about music. Lana Del Rey is trash. Her album isn't selling. She's not even on the charts. And then next thing you know, she blew up. And then I was walking around going, oh, Mr. Doctor thinks he can talk about what I know or don't know. So I have this long history with trying to be like a kind of her supporter that I think that she is this very talented, talented songwriter. I think she's greatly underappreciated. I think she's definitely some, for some weird reason, misunderstood. And I think a lot of critics don't get her. She's, she's often snubbed by the awards, which I'll never understand. And then she herself makes it difficult because she never really follows the rules. Like I think her social media is set to private. She doesn't like interviews. She she doesn't follow the typical album release cycle. She basically does so much to to almost hurt herself. She doesn't 
It's almost like Lana Del Rey at some point decided, you know what? I'm not going to be a commodity. I'm not here for the commodification of my art. I'm going to release the art for me. And if you like it, great. If everyone, and I'm not going to play the music industry game. So in some ways, I think that that's awesome about her, but I've kind of been a supporter. Now, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to acknowledge her album is not Christian. There's explicit language. She has lots of perspectives that I would disagree with. I'm not in any way pretending otherwise. So you don't have to say, how dare you? I'm, I'm just telling you about her and my history with her. I, I view, I look at her art and go, she's talented. Whether I, you can, you can think something is talented. You can think something is amazing without having to necessarily agree with a message or language or something along those lines. I think we can all we should be able, able to understand that. Well, she releases this album again. Did you know there was a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? And I think in some ways this is the most Lana Del Rey album ever. Um, I think she definitely decided to make an album for her and not worry about what anybody else thinks. It's not your typical pop album. It's structure. It's everything about it is this big, epic Thing. It's not what you would typically hear on pop radio, all kinds of major, like almost like within one song, there's like these uh, such drastic changes, almost like you're hearing movements in a symphony uh, to, to try to place it in some kind of musical category. But Lana Del Rey. So I'm going through the album, right? The first album or the, the I'm going through the, through the album. The first song is The Grants. The second is the title track. Did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? The third track is Sweet. And the fourth track is A and W. Now, uh, track two, track three, track four are all, all marked explicit because there's explicit language. And then, then track five. And when I looked at track five, I was like, Judas Smith interlude. I'm like, Judas Smith, Judas Smith. And I started trying to rack my brain. I'm like, wait, wait, Judas Smith? Like, Judas Smith is on a Lana Del Rey album. Like, I was trying to think of which musical, like, who is Judas Smith? Like, I'm like, wait, there's a preacher named Judas Smith. He's like a pastor of some mega church. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, I'm reading this wrong. I'm like, no, it says Judas Smith. So I hit play. As soon as I hit play, you hear a piano. And then all of a sudden you hear this audio come in that clearly the audio was not recorded like from the microphone, but it was recorded like from someone's phone. And then I start, and I'm like, this is a sermon. This is a sermon clip. It's four minutes and 37 seconds. Okay. But about, let's say four minutes to be, uh, because you've got kind of the intro and the outro of a piano. I'm like, this is, this is Judas Smith. This is a clip from a sermon recorded from someone's phone. Like they didn't even go find the actual sermon and rip the audio. No, they, this was recorded from the sermon. And then you figure out, wait a minute, from what I can tell, what I've been able to research, Lana Del Rey was at the church, recorded it with her phone. And in it, you can hear her. It sounds like her or, or her friends either laughing or saying things in regards to what Judah Smith is preaching. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Well, immediately I was like, I bet you this stirs up some controversy. Well, a lot of people who are pro-LGBTQ, liberal left, they're like, how dare she give any minutes to this 
you know, horrible pastor. In fact, one news article reads something like this. See here. One news article reads like this. Yes, Lana Del Rey's album features a homophobic pastor, but it's not what you think. All right. So immediately there's some people like all fired up. Like, how dare she do this? Like, not happy, not happy at all. They're very upset because like, he's a homophobic pastor. He preaches against homosexuality, homosexuality. How dare she put him on the album? So now I'm really intrigued, right? So there's controversy with those on the left. Now I know obviously anyone on the conservative side is like, how dare Lana Del Rey even mention God because she's evil, right? So I'm like, well, this is typical Lana Del Rey. She's going to take everyone off, which again, I kind of like that attitude, like, go for it. But I was intrigued, like, what, 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 what's the deal with this sermon? Why is this sermon here? Like, what is she trying to do? So then I had to start putting on, like, my detective hat and go full-blown music analysis, I, I, you know, music analyst, and, and start analyzing this. Now, I don't even know if I have this all figured out yet. So I'm inviting you, for those who won't be too offended— to pull up the Lana Del Rey album on your music streaming service, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Music and Dolby Atmos with spatial audio. It's beautiful, but I, I, I'll digress. Um, and, and, and I'm going to give you like how you're going to have to, you can't just listen to the sermon clip. You have to listen to the song before, which is called A&W, and that's not A&W Root Beer. That stands for American, just so that nobody gets offended, be warned. That stands for American Whore. That's what it stands for. A&W stands for American Whore. So clearly that, that's the song that comes before Judah Smith's interlude, which is four minutes of a sermon. So Lana's trying to do something here. She's trying to make a point. And I think that commodification is maybe the point she's trying to make, I think. But let, let me read the words of the sermon. Let me read the words of the sermon. Now, I could go find the sermon because there's news articles everywhere about this. So the sermon is probably going to get a lot of attention. But I'm just going to read the sermon because if you look up on Apple Music and you click on the song and you go to the lyrics, they have all the lyrics from the sermon. All right? So I'm going to read them to you. I'm going to read them to you. Then we're going to try to put this in context, try to understand what it means maybe for what Lana Del Rey was trying to say, but I want to look at it of what it could possibly say for us in the church. Now, I know that's not what Lana Del Rey is attempting to do, but I'm going to try to do that from a thought because we try to make theology central here. That's why we call this the Theology Central Podcast. And what's fascinating to me is in a roundabout way, this is connected to the sermon review I did earlier today that was an utter train wreck. Because in that sermon review, I kept saying that the person preaching was making it about themselves. They were making it about themselves. And I asked us to look at ourselves and say, How, do we make it about ourselves? And then oddly enough, I go back downstairs to listen to a little Lana Del Rey and boom, I end up with a sermon clip that kind of says the same thing. It, it's really fascinating, but here we go. I'm going to read from the sermon. Or, well, these are the lyrics to the song Judas Smith, Judas Smith Interlude, which is really the words of a sermon. Here we go. First, so it, the song begins with piano. I can't play any of it because copyright, mu music industry doesn't play with copyright. 
So it starts with a piano, then the audio. The audio is not great. And the reason the audio is not great, well, probably the audio is not great here because it's in Dolby Atmos and spatial audio. I need to listen to it on a different streaming service because in this case, you don't really want it to be Dolby Atmos or spatial audio because it's a... (laughs) It's a sermon being recorded from someone's cell phone sitting in the congregation. All right, so here we go. Here's the sermon. Judah Smith, and I quote, Don't you understand what that means? Now, immediately we know we're just coming into the middle of a sermon, so we have no context. It means quit lusting after your neighbor. That's a heck of a life. You get to love your children in front of you. You get to love... You have to talk to somebody. I want a new life. I don't love my wife anymore. I don't love my kids anymore. Missing out on life. They're usually my age. Does that sound like love? It's a life dominated with lust. And for too long, they've been holding it on. And finally, they just get weak and they say, it doesn't matter anymore. And the spirit of God says, I will infuse you with desire for what you have. And what's in front of you. Desire for what you have. So as he works deep in your heart, as you call out to him and say, I'm here. Do you hear me, man? Help me. I want what I got. Help me love what's in front of me. Help me want more of my wife and more of my friends. Help me serve the city I live in and not wish it away and hope I can move. Help me, God. I want to be a man in love, not a man in lust. But you got But you've got to do that. So I bring you to the verse So I bring you to this verse and I'm done. I'm done. So let's stop right here. So I don't know exactly what the sermon is about because we have no context, but you could argue that that there's something interesting going on here that so many times in life, we find that we don't, in a sense, like what we have. We don't, and we want something else. So he's saying what we need to do is ask God to make us love what we have and not continue to desire what we don't. I wish it was that easy. I wish we could just, because there's lots of problems with this because one, we have a sinful nature. So the sinful nature is always desiring that which we shouldn't have. So that's problem number one, and that's just not going to go away, but okay. Interesting concept. But then he says, I'm going to look at a verse and he says, Psalm chapter eight. And then he says this, you know where I got this verse? This is going to sound crazy to you. But I'm going to tell you the absolute truth. It's going to make me sound so superior to us all. And I'm looking forward to it. Now, I think he's saying this in a little bit of a joking way. But he says, I woke up this morning and God said, check the Bible app. Now, I don't know if it was God, but it felt like that. All right. So first he says, God told him. Well, I don't know if it was actually God, but I felt like that. He says, in my head, I thought if I hadn't checked the Bible app, I'm going to speak to you from the verse of the day. That means I don't have to do anything. I don't have to look anywhere. I just get the verse of the day. Now, so therefore he's being a little bit of kind of a little bit sarcastic here because that's how people act. You know, I don't have to go look anything. I don't have to do anything. I just look at the verse of the day and then, then I, I get to hear from God. Okay. I, 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 I think he's using a little bit of sarcasm here. I mean, I'm trying, I mean, if you, if you listen to the audio, I think you'll, 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 maybe you'll, will detect the same thing. He says, look at this. Look at the splendor of the skies, your created genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze, when I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you're a fascinating artist who fashioned it all. 
when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship above, workmanship above, I have to ask this question. I've got to ask this question. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you ever bother with puny mortal man or being? Oh, don't get me started. I could preach another hour on infatuated or to be infatuated with Adam's son. Why are you so infatuated with me? You're the star creator. You're the ocean maker. You're the well creator. You're the rhino designer. Who? Who are you? And then it goes on in verse five and it says, yet what honor you have given to men created only a little lower than Elohim which is the name of creator God, artist God. You want to call God artist? At some point tonight before you go to bed, be like, yo, Elohim, and he'll he'll hear, you're the best artist ever. Little lower than Elohim, crowned with kings and queens with glory and magnificence. You have delighted, you have delighted, you you have delighted, you have delegated to them mastery over all you have made. You've made me a partner with you. I used to think my preaching was mostly about you and you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. Now, that's a rambling, like it almost seems disconnected, right? On one hand, hey, we should love what we have and not crave what we don't. All right, that's the idea of maybe contentment. Okay, now we're going to go to Psalm 8. We're going to see how great God is. And because we see how great God is, then we realize, well, God, if you're so great, then why would you have any focus on me? Okay, all right. But at the same time, if God is so great, then why do we have any focus on anything else? You could go both ways. And then he says these words. I used to think my preaching was mostly about you and you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell the truth. I've discovered most that I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. Now, when you make the sermon mostly about you, why are you making it about you? Is this somehow the commodification of preaching where we take preaching and it's supposed to be about God? We make it a commodity so that we can then basically use it to buy what we want, which is our own recognition, our own self-exaltation, our own to make us the star of the show. Does it have something to do with commodification? Now, there's been a lot of speculation about what in the world is going on here. Um, that, uh, that's it. That there's a lot here to try to figure out what, what is happening here in not only why, why did Lana Del Rey grab this clip? I mean, I mean, obviously she recorded, I don't know how much of the sermon she recorded off her phone, but why this clip? Like, what was she trying to say? And there's some speculation about what was going on. So here's some thoughts. All right. Just and and maybe maybe you 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 can look, you can you can spend the weekend trying to figure this out as well if you so desire. Now remember the the inter, the interlude Judas Smith's interlude appears on the album immediately after the song A A&W. And again, which is not A&W root beer, 
No, it is an abbreviation for American Whore. And if you if you listen to the song, at least I, I think this is true, the song finds basically her examining herself in past, present, and future, twisting parts of her identity into a mangled investigation of the different errors of her career. That, that's what it feels like. That in a sense, she's she's in a sense examining herself, past, present, and future. And then looking at all of this into the different areas of her career, the result is kind of a, I think it's compelling. It's about seven minutes long. And in some ways, is it kind of mocking, kind of making fun of her own commodification? Remember I told you that word and around, is she looking at her own commodification? Is she looking at all the personas that fans and critics have thrust onto her? Like in a roundabout way, she's like, here's all the errors, but of my career, but in a sense, she's kind of mocking it. Like, like really I've been, I've been turned into a commodity by music critics and everyone thrusting these perspectives on me. Like, do we see Lana Del Rey as a victim of violence? Do we see her as a damsel in distress? Do we see her as an empowered icon? Do we see her as a kind of a fake religious dilettante? Do we see her as someone whose best friend is Jesus? How do we see Lana Del Rey? How do we see her? And and, and she's saying, like, I've, I've become such a commodity that I've been turned into something else. I've been made into a commodity that people buy and sell and they, by imposing their own perception on me. All right, that's A&W. Now, if you examine the sermon against that, is it supposed to be ironic? I mean, in a, in, a, in a roundabout way, I mean, Del Rey would be the exact kind of person who would attend a celebrity-studded megachurch. Right, uh, she would be there in a sense to, to either to cleanse her own soul or to basically lambast its intrinsic flamboyance that you would find in a megachurch. Is she there to kind of mock it? Like, is there something ironic? Because if if you listen, she's doing that with within the song throughout the sermon. You can hear Del, hear Del Rey, according to at least one source, that it is Del Rey and her friends can be lo- lo- heard laughing. As Smith winds around his point, that's according to one article, that, hey, that that's Lana Del Rey. You can hear her on the song while, while the sermon is playing. That's her laughing. That's her and her friends. Now, because they find this part of the sermon ironic, like, like I don't know exactly why, but here, possibly, it could be like this. Talking about God as a massive, all-powerful you know, powerful being that Judah Smith kind of relies to God is how great he is, how powerful, how massive he is. You can kind of hear Delray mumbling, yeah, yeah. But is she doing so almost with a winking sarcasm? Other times, she seems to not be able to hold back her distaste for Smith's cringy absurdity. When Smith refers to God as the rhino designer, Del Rey and her friends giggle and question Rhino Designer. So now, now again, you can have to listen to it and try to pick up all of the, the nuances. But 
here is how I want to quote this. But what really drives this home is how Del Rey uses the interlude as a means to an end. The excerpt of Smith's sermon ends with the preacher discussing his own career in a larger existential setting. I quote, I used to think my preaching was mostly about you, Smith says. I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. This ending frames the song not just within the context of Del Rey's new album, but her entire career. Ever since her first album, Born to Die, was released in 2012, her fan base narrowed significantly from those who loved her top 40 adjacent hip-hop sad girl persona to those who preferred the delicate trippy trippy poetry of her more, more recent and much more diverse work. In the 11 years since her debut, the singer has taken control of her own career and harnessed a cult fan base into a car, car, uh, to basically where she can do whatever she wants. She can write a blank che- check for her entire artistry. She can do whatever she wants now. Delray's preaching is no longer about speaking to anyone else's sensibilities or relating to the masses. It's, it's about finding a grounding point for herself and what and while Judah Smith's interlude might be a point of contention for fans, it's ultimately an ironic, an ironic and inflammatory send-up of commodified spirituality and a reminder that Del Rey's artistic ethos is for, firmly about pleasing no one but herself. Now I'm going to read that again. I want you to listen to this carefully. Delray's preaching is no longer about speaking to anyone else's sensibilities or relating to the masses. In other words, she's gone through all of these different stages. She's been seen all of these different ways. And many of the people who loved her at the beginning no longer love her. Some of the people who love her now didn't love her at the beginning because she's kind of done, she's kind of done things her own way. But because she's gone things her own way, she now basically has a blank check to do whatever she wants. She can be as artistic as she wants because she doesn't care about pleasing anybody else. Now, so let me read this again. She's no longer speaking to anyone else's sensibilities or relating to the masses. It's about finding a grounding point for herself. And while Judah Smith interlude might be a point of contention for fans, yes, some fans are ticked off that it's there because he's the homophobic pastor. How dare she put him on her album? Is it not ultimately an ironic and inflammatory send-up of commodified spirituality? Now, let's stop right there. Commodified spirituality. See, this is where, in my mind, it stops becoming about Lana Del Rey and it becomes about us. It becomes about us. Now, I'm going to look up something here. I'm going to look up something. I'm going to look up that phrase, commodified spirituality. Because I, I love the phrase. I love the phrase. All right. Now, um, let's see here. The commodification of spirituality. 
Uh, let's see here. Well, I wanted to find. It says the, the increased commercialization of spirituality has basically begun to impact all, and they name all of these different areas where it's begun to impact things. All right. So, um, they, they begin in this article to talk about how all of spirituality, not just within Christianity, but within the broader context of culture, that everything from yoga to, to, to you name it, has been turned into a commodity. Now, we can look at all how spirituality has been commodified within culture, but how has spirituality been commodified within the church? Now, is she utilizing the sermon clip, in a sense, to do kind of a, a send-up over and, and as an ironic and inflammatory send-up of commodified spirituality and a reminder that Del Rey's artistic ethos is firmly about pleasing no one but herself. In other words, does she take a sermon and where the pastor admits, hey, sometimes my, I, I thought my preaching was about you, but it's really about me. Now, I don't know how Judah Smith actually meant that, right? Because if you look at the context of the sermon, he's talking about how great God is, but he seems to say, well, then God puts all of this attention on us. So is he saying that he thought at first he was supposed to preach about God. Now he realizes I can preach about me because that's where God puts the focus. I'm not saying that's what he's trying to do in the sermon. But in a sense, is Lana Del Rey saying, okay, look, 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 even in the church, even in the church, God is a commodity that we buy and sell for our own benefit, that, that we make it about us. And just, and so as in the music industry, we, the artists, become the commodity that is bought and sold for everyone else to label us for whatever we want. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to be the commodity. I'm going to just make what I want for me. I'm going to make it, and in this case, I'm going to make it about me. I'm not going to be the commodity. In other words, if those in the church can make their preaching about them, can I make it about can I make it about me? Is she trying to say that? Or she's trying to say that, hey, Christians commodify, turn God into a commodity for their benefit. I'm not going to let the music industry turn me into a commodity. Like you could go, you could, you could analyze this a couple of different ways. And I don't know exactly which way she's going. But it's so fascinating that in a and W, she's kind of like, you know, I'm viewed these different ways. And then she goes into this interlude where this like, hey, want what you got. Stop lusting for what you don't have. Hey, remember how great God is. But just remember, God makes it about you and seems to kind of where Judah Smith goes. And hey, I used to think my preaching was about you, but I realize now it's about me. And then that's the end. We, we have no context. And then somehow she takes that. Now, what is she trying to do with that? She's trying to say, even Christians use God to make it about them. So I'm going to use music to make it about me or, hey, people use God as a commodity to make it about them. Well, I'm not going to let the music industry turn me into a commodity. I'm going to refuse that. They're not going to make this about this, they're not going to make this about them. 
I'm going to take control. Like, I don't know which direction you want to go, but it brings up the whole bigger subject to me. Two, really, concepts. Have we, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to read the definition again of this, of the word that I wanted you to think about. I really want us to think about this. And I know this is taking a kind of a, 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 a kind of a winding way, but I, but I really want, just because everyone's talking about, you just look up all the news articles about the Judas Smith sermon in Lana Del Rey's new album. There's a lot of them. There was a lot of them, but commodification. So I want to think of it about two ways. In what ways has commod, have we turned God? Have we turned the preaching of God's word? Have we turned the church into a commodity? That we've taken our spirituality, the commodification of Christian spirituality, and we've turned it into a commodity that we buy and that we sell. Where do you think commodification has entered into the world of Christianity? And then secondly, how do you think in so many cases we've turned what's supposed to be about God and we've made it about us? The commodification of spirituality. I, I really want you to ponder that. And then I want you to ponder how have we made it all about us? That, that's what I want to leave you with. Now, you can go, you can try to analyze what she's doing with the sermon. You can. And I would love to get your music analysis and your lyric analysis if you want to participate. But listen, just note, the album is not Christian, okay? I, I don't want anyone to get offended. You definitely don't want to listen to, you don't want to listen to, to the earlier songs. Let's see, is A&W marked uh, explicit? Let me look, let me look. Because I don't want you to even listen to a and I think A&W, I'm almost positive it is. Um, yeah, A&W is explicit as well. You can probably find a clean version of it. Um, you possibly, I think some of the streaming services offer a sense, well, some people don't like the word censored, the clean version. So if you can find it, then listen to that. But you can listen to A&W and then you can listen to the sermon. I think you have to listen to A&W and then the sermon. And then you can tell me what you think she's trying to do. Maybe, maybe you have a completely different vantage point of this, but I've struggled to go which way she's going. But that sermon clip ending with, I used to think my preaching was about you. And then basically I've realized it's about me. Man, that's, that's a, first of all, I love the honesty there, but I don't know if he's, if he's saying it like it's a bad thing or if he's saying it like it's a good thing, you'd have to go look at the whole context of this. Give me your interpretation of that sermon clip. Forget how Lana Del Rey is using it. If you don't want to figure out what Lana Del Rey is doing, just go listen to Judah Smith interlude from the new Lana Del Rey album. Forget figuring out what she's doing with it. Just tell me what you think Judah Smith was trying to say. We may have to review the entire sermon is what we may have to do. We may have to review the entire sermon. but I think Judah Smith is about to become a household name. Okay. Good or bad. Okay. Good or bad. So, but that deals with theology. So that's, see, that's why we're dealing with it. But I just want the commodification of spirituality within the church. I don't care about what's happening in other religions. No, the church. And then how do we make it all about us? Because the sermon we reviewed today was a great example of taking John chapter two, 
where Jesus is cleansing the temple and make it all about us. I mean, that the woman preaching that sermon made it all about her. Really at the, exp- she literally replaced Jesus and the cleansing of the temple with herself and all of her good works. All right, I know this is a really impromptu broadcast today and I don't know if it's a, well, nobody may benefit from it. Nobody may find this interesting, but I had to talk to someone. I tried to text my daughter back and she wasn't responding. I'm like, someone, someone talk to me about Lana Del Rey. Someone, somewhere, okay, please. Because uh, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. I don't quite understand it, but I know I'm going to be trying to figure it out. So if you try to figure it out tonight, message me, email me, something, smoke signal, something, because I would love to get your thoughts. But even if you, even if you don't care about Lana Del Rey, just the commodification of spirituality within the church and how we make it about ourselves. And what do you think about that? All right. I'm going to go try to figure out what's for supper, as we say here in Texas. And uh, then I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do tonight, but I have a feeling I'm going to end up back in front of this microphone because I got a book. A book came in. A book was at my door. I did a podcast about a book. So we may, we may do a little, uh, I may, we may do a little review of the book that I got. I already told you about the book. I told you I was going to order it and I got it. So it showed up at my door. So we'll talk about that. All right. Thanks. It's Friday evening. I don't know what you're doing tonight, but if you, if you uh, don't have anything else to do, make sure you have the church one app and the notifications on church. O N E down, download the church. O N E app. Search for Theology Central, choose us, and uh, maybe maybe you can hang out with me this Friday evening. I don't really have anything else to do, so maybe I'll just sit here and do worthless podcast episodes that are of no value to anyone. But at least, at least you have someone to hang out with, all right? So maybe I'll do that. I don't know. Maybe my whole night's about to change. Who knows? We'll see. All right. I can't wait to look at the email box on all of this one. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Now, if you hear everyone talking about the Judah Smith sermon on the Lana Del Rey album, you can say, I heard it first on the Theology Central podcast. There you go. And I gave you some possible ways to interpret it. I don't know. I keep debating it. Which way? What is she trying to say? I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody really knows. It's Lana Del Rey. Do we ever know what she's trying to say? That's really, that, that, that's really a bigger thing. But all right. Everyone have a great night. God bless.